Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, back in the studio on a wet and wild Wednesday. So um, I knew this was going to happen. And, you know, it's funny, during during the, uh, the last few years, seeing a lot more people wearing red and gold, and I like that, but I knew that this day would happen, that we'd be losing a few because of the recent losses. I still have looked me right in the eyes. I got my Chiefs hat on, wore my Chiefs jacket this morning. Red and gold till I'm gray and old. I don't care if they're 2-14 and 14 or, I guess, 15 now season. I'm still going to love my Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think the guys jumping off the bandwagon are jumping off a little too early? First of all, they better not be 2-15 and 15, ever. <laughs> well, hey, I was, I've was i been there, brother. I went to a game back in the, in the 1980s on a very cold and wet November Sunday when I played the Cincinnati Bengals. Chiefs are awful. They alleged... Alleged the crowd at Arrowhead was thirty thousand that day. It was more like thirty because they were. I mean, three or three and some change. <laughs> uh, yes, I do think they're jumping off the bandwagon too early, and that's perfectly understandable. That's the nature of American sports fans and really sports fans all over the world. Hey, it's great to root for a winner. Everybody's a fan when the team's winning. Lose, hey, uh, what else is on TV? Or where else can we go today? Uh, it and and for a true fan, it doesn't work that way. You're a fan regardless, sunny skies or gray. You're always going to be with that team, but they are very few and far between. Those type of fans, most of them are fair weather fans. Are they jumping off the bandwagon? Yes, because this is a good Kansas City team. Are they great? I don't know. That has to be proven. But are they good? Yeah, they're a ten point favorite over the New York Giants coming up, and they should win that game. But they haven't played very well. They've been out of sync, and it may be because of new players coming in. There are many reasons why this has happened. Injuries, but every team has injuries. Every team has new players. It's a matter of adjusting. I am of the opinion, and it's mine, it's it's shared by others, that other teams have figured out how to play this team now. The Chiefs had a unique offense uh, two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, and to some extent last year. But now teams have discovered how you can stop this ball club, and it's up to Kansas City. Now, to make the adjustments, that is my observation. I don't think they're bad players or anything of that nature. I don't think coaches have to be fired. I think it's a matter of making adjustments. If you had taken any kind of bet, or I guess several this season where the Chiefs are favored, you made some money against uh, that game in, a few times. In the point spreads, uh, perhaps, I, my prediction for them, and it's still they can't lose too many more games, was 12-5. and five. I thought they'd lose some games along the line. And they obviously have. Now, how many more they have coming up? The schedule is not all that easy. Dallas, Pittsburgh, come in, Green Bay, they're going to be awfully tough teams. But what we're overlooking is the fact that they are not division teams. No. And the Chiefs still have, what, uh, half their half the 10 games remaining against division teams. They can beat the teams in the division. That's how you get in the playoffs. Yeah, but here's the thing that's real scary, and it is the truth. For the longest time, AFC dominated the NFL. Dominated. You'd have a couple good NFC teams, but mainly all AFC, especially in the power rankings throughout the season. They have flipped that on us because now almost like definitely the majority of the teams in the top 10, all NFC teams for sure. So we can get to the playoffs. AFC is just looking super weak this season. Mike. It's cyclical. I know. Back into the history of the NFL when it first started, when these two leagues came together, it was all NFC for a couple of years. 
AFC took over, NFC regained that. It, it, it's all a, it's a cycle in which it works, and it's not just football. This works the same with every single sport imaginable. It is part of the cycle of sports. Well, hopefully we can get back on the right side of the cycle, Ned. I don't know what we got to do, but win. I got my <laughs> uh, I got my Chiefs personalized plates yesterday, and I'm super stoked. And if we start winning, we all know why. Uh, big weekend on tap for the Drury University women's basketball team, and uh, it's crazy that we've got basketball back already, and it's getting to it's getting ready to fire up big time. Isn't the it? Uh, national rankings, uh, preseason national rankings, have come out for the Division One teams. I have not seen them for Division Two, but if Drury is not number one in America in the women's basketball, I'd be very surprised. This is a great, just a huge opening weekend for Drury. It's opening up in late October, and they're on the road in Canyon, Texas. And the teams are playing. It's a four-team tournament before you get underway with the regular season uh, later on in November. But a four-team tournament against three other, three, of course, is number one, but three other of the top teams in America. They're going to be playing West Texas State, which is the hostess team for this competition. They're going to be playing Southwestern Oklahoma. That's the team they play on Friday morning. Uh, Southwestern Oklahoma is an outstanding team. And the fourth team in there is our friends from Warrensburg, Central Missouri State. They are down there, and I I apologize because that's not what it's called anymore. It's the University of Central Missouri. Thank you, sports fans. All righty. That team will be down there. That's who the Lady Panthers almost played for the national championship last year. Central Missouri was there. The jury got knocked out of it by Lubbock Christian, you might remember, and went on to a second place or a third place finish, I guess it would be. But the fact remains, this is a great test. Amy Egan, the Drury coach, loves this competition. After this four-team little preseason tournament that they have, then there's about a week and a half or two-week layoff, and then on to the regular season. Man, uh, and they've got some they've got some ladies coming back too, don't they? They're almost back. Yeah, in the entire the, yeah. So <laughs> it, it should be a pretty strong season for the Lady Panthers and uh, really basketball in the area for in general. So how late did you stay up last night? Watched most of it, not all. But when it became obvious what was going yeah, to happen, I figured got got your snooze in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to get a little bit of sleep. Nothing, anyway. and it never went back the other way so you kind of knew who was who owned game one of the world series and that was the atlanta Braves. absolutely sir score of six to two and you know we we get to talking about this on our telecast every so often you can see one game of baseball and see something new every single game you play something new last night very first ever leadoff first inning leadoff home run in world series history wow really mm-hmm. jorge soler Former Kansas City Royal, oh, yeah. former Chicago Cub, comes up there and blasted one. Now, this is Minute Maid Park, and they have a short porch in left field. It isn't necessarily short in terms of distance, but it's very easily accessible. And uh, first thing, set, I think third pitch of the game, if I'm not mistaken, he belted in the seats, and already Atlanta's up one nothing. That's one of the keys to the Atlanta Braves' success in the late going. The deals that they made at the trade deadline, frequently those deals don't mean a doggone thing. But they have for Atlanta, Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler. These are all guys they got at the trade deadline. It's crazy. And they have all come through yeah. and made a big difference. This team, this Atlanta Braves team, was under 500 mm-hmm. in August. Under 500. And they won the National League East, which is not the strongest of divisions. They won it with, I think, 88 victories. And the Cardinals had more than that. And... That's the way the divisions work in baseball. But they have caught fire. They're playing very well. They're a good team. 
may have been what's called a Pyrrhic victory. Why? Because their starting pitcher, Charlie Morton, who had 14 wins going in, left the game in the third inning with, of all things, a broken leg. Oh. This is how it happened. He's up against Yuri Goriel of Houston, and Goriel hits one right back at him. Now it's down low. It's at the leg. Bounced off his leg, went to the first baseman. They got the guy out at first. And Morton went on to pitch. Based on, I think he threw 10 more pitches and got out of the inning. Came out to start the next inning. Came out there, struck out the batter, but when he did on on a curveball, I think it was, he stumbled off the mound. Some, oh, this isn't good. Took him in, and sure enough, a fracture of the fibula. Now, when you talk about fracture, we're not talking about a complete break yeah. in the leg. It's a chip or something like that, but he's out for the rest of the series. Is that going to be costly? You bet it is, because he's one of their starting pitchers. But seven-game series, and anything can happen in a short series. Yeah, they got out quick, and that's good. But more importantly, based on their record and what happened with the Atlanta Braves, you're telling me there is still hope for the Kansas City Chiefs, and that makes me happy. Thanks for giving me something to be happy about today, Ned. So uh, we got a new boss in St. Louis, and has he made any big waves yet? What's on the agenda? He hasn't. He's going over things pretty carefully. Of course, it's up to him to come up with the coaching staff, although the uh, big boss, Mr. Mosellock, has said, I wouldn't be unhappy if the entire coaching staff returns. Well, we will see about that. The key addition, if it is going to be an addition, and it will be, is the bench coach. Bench coach is tantamount to the associate manager of the team. He sits right there with the manager and uh, offers the expertise. Well, who is going to be that bench coach? Remains to be seen. Uh, There are names that are being bandied about. One of them, Skip Schumacher, who might come over from the San Diego Padres. Or it could be Stubby Clapp, who is the first base coach. He's been around. He has managing experience. Uh, Schumacher, uh, Schumacher does not, but he was a bench coach with San Diego, and he's a former Cardinal. They all could fit into the mix, but that's a very important choice for a Marmol to come up with. Who is going to be right there as his key advisor? And what happens to the rest of the coaching staff? A lot of Cardinals fans do not want the hitting coach back, mm-hmm. but Jose Lock does. See who wins that little struggle right there, and I don't think it's going to be too much of a struggle. We'll see, and we'll definitely see uh, how things were maybe... Uh played out a little bit uh, with the uh, former manager. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. It's all rumors, and we'll never know, probably. Uh, When we talked about the uh, playoff preview, the early, early playoff preview for the Missouri State Bears, they had them in, um, but they really have to uh, do one hell of a job against a uh, remainder season that is going to be tough, and that starts on Saturday. It does. They're playing North Dakota. This is the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last spring, and Ned Reynolds hopes we never see another spring season again. It was an anomaly, as everybody knows. But the 1AA or FCS playoffs were held, well, less than, uh, less than half a year ago. Mm-hmm. Here's the same team that knocked the Bears out. They are not the same team personnel-wise. They've had some big changes in their whole roster. So have the Bears. The Bears for the better, not so much North Dakota. North Dakota has lost three games, and that's a no-no in the conference. The Bears have lost two. They need to win out. They need to beat North Dakota on Saturday. They need to beat Southern Illinois and Northern Iowa. And they are two very, very, very tough well, it's actually three, three very tough things to do. North Dakota is beatable. They have been beaten. They lost three, did win last week against a very weak Western Illinois team. But over and above that, the Bears need to come out, and they, and they know this, 
I need to play as strong and 60 minutes of football, not 58 or 59, but 60 of it, because any of these teams is capable of coming in and giving them a a tough and difficult-to-handle blow because the Bears can't really lose any more games in the conference. Everyone is fighting for the same thing, and that makes it even more dangerous. Want to be in the playoffs, and even North Dakota with three losses is still in there. They certainly can't afford any more. So this is a very big game. Two o'clock, they'll kick it off on Saturday. I looked at the (coughs) weather forecast. It does look as though it's going to be a beautiful fall day, Mm. sunny, maybe in the 60s, somewhere along the line, perfect for football. Tailgate time for Ned. That's what I'm talking about. And you got Sunday off, so you can probably tie one on a little bit harder so you can sleep in on Sunday. We don't have, uh, of course, we didn't have Ned talk last week. Well, you were here, but. Maintain that that's why the Chiefs lost. Well, I maintain you're the one who broke Ned talk, Ned. (laughs) I'll see you tomorrow, sir. You have a good day.